0: Hey kids, welcome back to Clean Slate Farm. I'm Dave Lenweaver, your host. Today we're going to be talking with Will Wallace again. Will and I will be talking about winterizing your home and power equipment. Will's also invited a special mystery guest. Stick around, you'll find out who. All right. Hey everybody, welcome back to Clean Slate Farm. This This will be episode number four, show number four. And we have with us today Will Wallace. Uh, Will, how you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you today? Good, and we have a special guest, and that is Eric Rothschild from Garden Fork TV. Eric, how are you today? I'm great.
1: Happy to be here.
0: Thank you for waking me up. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, today we're going to be talking about things to get ready for winter, like uh, how to winterize your house, and also like some bonus items on vehicle and power tool items. And Eric, uh, let's talk a little bit about that, because you had some... Uh, some tips about st- uh, stabilizing fuel or, or keeping fuel out of power equipment for winter because the fuel could go bad, correct?
1: Yeah, the um, small engine carburetors, from what I, and I'm just a layman here, a layperson, is that the, the ethanol in regular gasoline does not mesh well with small engine carburetors. And so what I do is I use a gas stabilizer. There's a blue product and there's a red product. Um, They work just fine. There's also one called Seafoam, I think. But what they most of them do is they remove some of the water from the gas, and they also neutralize the ethanol in the gas. Because if you just turn off your lawnmower and shove it in the corner of the garage, uh, whether it will start or not the next spring is a big question, because the untreated gas sits in that carburetor and eats away at the seals. It um, gunks up the jet which meters the fuel into the air intake so if you buy one of these stabilizers the instructions are on the back of the package and I have a five gallon gas can I just I pour in the stabilizer at the gas pump and then I just pump the gas right into that container it's a safe gas container so that mixes it right away and you know that your gas has been stabilized Oh, cool!
0: Now I remember when I was growing up, my dad always used to say not to leave gas in there because it was also said something about varnish and it. it, uh, You pick up like a a film that hardens, and when it starts to dry a little bit, does that sound like anything you remember?
1: Yeah, I I remember back in the day saying, "Oh, the carb got all varnished up," and then again, that that is the gasoline drying out um, in the engine, in the carburetor, and then leaving like a. Today's today, would you call it polyurethane? But mm-hmm. you know, like a shellac or a varnish, right? Um, it's a gooey substance that's not good, and the stabilizer right. keeps that from happening. There are people that say you should shut, run your engine, turn off the fuel line, and then let the carburetor just um, use up all the gas in the carb and leave it empty. And there are some that say it's okay to leave it in the bowl of the carb. Either way, running the fuel stabilizer. I run it in the summer and the winter. Right. Will make your engine, your carburetor of your engine, last a long time. And a carburetor, uh, they're difficult to rebuild and they're like $100 to replace. So yeah. you could save yourself $100.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, what does the ethanol do? Because you're supposed to burn non ethanol in, in power equipment, correct?
1: Right. You can actually buy pre mixed fuel, like two cycle fuel. I now buy the pre mixed stuff. It's more expensive, but it's ethanol free. And it's mixed exactly fifty to one or forty to one, and you can also buy four-cycle fuel like that. Right. In some states, you can buy gas at a gas pump that doesn't have ethanol in it. Mm-hmm. There's ethanol in American gas because um, it is a oil. It's a petroleum substitute. It's made usually from corn. Right. Uh, and then the government mandates that I think fifteen percent of the gasoline has to have. It has to be fifteen percent ethanol mixed into most gas. Yeah. 10 or, and the ethanol 10 or ruins the engines.
0: Yeah. Now, an interesting side note on that, because so much ethanol is being used uh, or corn is being used to make ethanol for fuel, that has raised the price of corn because the corn farmers can get more for the corn by selling it for fuel rather than for feed. And in the yeah, restaurant business... Yeah, it's
1: a mis- whole... It's, it's very controversial.
0: Yeah. In the restaurant business, that raised the price of beef because farmers had to pay more for corn to compete with that price so that kind of like drove us nuts for a while in the restaurant business lawnmowers and the price of beef are related yes they are yeah if you're mowing your cow (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's a good tip now diesel the same way correct
1: I don't know. I don't have any diesel equipment. Okay.
2: Actually, I can speak on diesel. Diesel, actually, what you want to do is burn off what's called summer diesel, and then as you get closer to the fall, the gas stations switch over to a winter blend that has uh, a chemical in it that makes it so it doesn't uh, coagulate in your line or basically get clumpy, and that's what causes diesel engines to kind of clog up a little bit. So if you switch to uh, winter blend diesel, so like give example on our tractor, we're burning through all of our fuel right now. And in November, I'll refill our tanks with the winter blend and we'll use that for snow blowing and so on. By the time we get to summer, most of it's already burnt up. We go back to the summer blend and we're good to go. So there isn't really a stabilizer for it. It's
0: more about temperature for diesel fuel. Okay. Wow. I, I wasn't aware of that. I should be aware of that. I live in farm country up here. So yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I would figure with the John Deere,
2: you'd be switching out your fuel by this time. I mean, considering right now in Minnesota here, it's snowing. So,
0: Yeah, I've got about a half a coming. tank left, and, and uh, it's a five five or six-gallon tank on that, and a half a tank will last me, God, I, it's a crazy long time.
2: To go back to the uh, snowblower and lawnmower tips, Eric, one thing I've heard is after you uh, basically burn off the gas in the carburetor, To back the spark plug out, and I don't know if you've ever seen this product called fogging oil, but spray a little of that in there to line the cylinder so that then if there is any moisture, you don't get any rust on your cylinder. I don't Mm. know if you've ever heard that trick or not, but then when you fire it up in the spring, all that oil burns off and you're back in business again, but it protects it over the winter season.
0: Yeah, I've seen that I have heard that, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that on shelves somewhere. It's fogging oil. Yeah.
1: Cool. If you have a pressure washer, they sell a product that you uh, spray through the pump to absorb water because if your pressure washer has water in it and it freezes, it will break the pressure washer. Yeah, bad. You don't want that happening. Yeah, those are too expensive. Yeah. So. Well, there you go. So I cool. have to go. I got to go do some plumbing, but I just wanted to jump in on your podcast and uh, say welcome to, welcome to the podcast world, Dave. Thank you very much, Eric. I appreciate that. It's uh,
0: It certainly is a new and interesting thing with everything I've got going on in my life, like I need to do a podcast, right?
1: So Hey, hey I know. Let's do a podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> Oh man, it's crazy! But thanks for joining us, Eric. Uh, you're heading off to a plumbing job, so uh...
1: what fun! <laughs> yeah. All cool. right, I'll see you later.
0: Thanks, Eric. Will you there? I am still here. Okay, cool. Well, that was very nice. Good to have Eric on the show. So uh let's talk about the top seven house items. We we were talking at one point in like. We started out with smoke detectors at one point, and carbon monoxide detectors. It's interesting that we started with that because isn't daylight savings time the time that you recommend to change the batteries?
2: Yep, I mean, actually, uh, once you get to the October-November time period, they they tell you twice a year to check okay. them um with the new five-year batteries that you put in smoke detectors if you're putting one of those in i suggest testing and vacuuming out your smoke detectors instead Mm -hmm. of changing the battery out but if you're still using the old-fashioned alkaline batteries um you definitely want to do that coming up here in the fall so i guess today we're going to be covering the 14 items for winter seven of them are outdoor items and seven of them are indoor items that you can do to your home to kind of get
0: you ready for winter Right. You might have a different list than I do, but (laughs) let's go for it. So now smoke detectors also, I don't know if people have ever taken it off. There's a little, uh, the cover off, but there's a little, uh, it looks like a little button. And inside there is the sensor that picks up smoke. So one thing you want to do when you're cleaning out your smoke detector is also if you have compressed air or just blow on that to blow off any excess dust that might be accumulating on that. I don't know if you've ever seen those at all, Will. Actually, what I... Uh, usually recommend for people, just because you're up
2: on a ladder and everything else and trying to get an air hose up there, or your vacuum up there, just go to the computer department of your local right, that's what electronic th- store and get a little can of that compressed air right. with a little plastic tube on it, yep, and that's that works
0: what, great. That's what I was thinking, yeah, because yeah, dragging a hose up the top of a ladder is not a good idea. Uh, gutters, I know I was just the outside the other day. You should clean out your gutters also because uh, gutters will fill up with leaves, and if you don't clean them out, ice backs up in there, and that's not a good thing. So get your gutters cleaned out and be careful on top of a ladder Uh, will do you have gutters up on the house in in the woods we
2: actually do but i went one step further when we were doing the remodel and the home improvement store had a sale on a product called gutter guard or leaf free or whatever you want to call it We are in the middle of the woods, so we just get inundated with leaves, and one of the biggest problems with the house was the gutters would get full of leaves, Mm -hmm. and then the water wouldn't go down the downspouts. Instead, it would just kind of go right down the side of the foundation because it would spill over the gutters because they weren't working properly. Clean gutters are properly working gutters, so basically what we did was— put this leaf guard on there it allows the water to go into the gutter but then it stops the leaves from falling in or animals making nests or any of that kind of stuff right. And we have had no problems this year
0: yeah water slides in leaves could slide right off the top just yeah yeah and and it's it depending on which ones you get they have a
2: plastic version which is actually relatively inexpensive to install the fancy aluminum ones that match your gutters you know those are more expensive. I think the plastic ones work just fine. I mean, you can't really see them from the road or right. from down below or anything like that. So we just put those in, and they worked great.
0: Right? Yeah. There's one that's like a it's like a screen almost, like uh, and you just it kind of bends. It's plastic. You bend it, stick it in place, and let it go, and it's done. Yeah. Very, yep, very exactly. easy to install. Yeah.
2: That's a, that's what we've used, in, and they were. You can get a four-foot section, I think, for like 2 or $3 or something like that at most of the home improvement stores.
0: Yeah, and then part two of that is make sure you have an extension on the the uh, downspout so the water just can move far away from the house.
2: That actually brings up a kind of funny story. My buddy had a house, and he kept getting water in the basement, and he couldn't figure out why it was. Well, the, the pipe was coming down, but it, it just went straight down and had the little curve on it without an extension on it. Mm-hmm. And basically what was happening was the water was running into the gutters, filling up the gutter, running down the, the spout, and then just pouring onto the ground next to the sliding glass door, and it would basically, in heavy rains, it would flood. <laughs> I came over with a, a little four-foot piece of uh, extension, put it on there, never had a problem again, and he's like, I, I never knew that I had to have that on there to extend that out. I thought I just needed to get the water down to the ground. Yeah, magic.
0: Now, uh, up in uh, in the house, do you have, what kind of heating do you have up there?
2: Uh, We have two types of heating. We wood heat, and we uh, have propane in a forced air furnace.
0: Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit to furnaces and wood heat, because uh, if you heat with wood, you want to make sure you have a clean chimney. Uh, Avoid uh, any fire in the chimney, chimney fires. Chimney fires are very dangerous, Uh, and when they start, it sounds like a jet engine going up through that. So you probably have already taken care of that for the year, right, Will?
2: Uh, Yes. Uh, Actually being a a retired firefighter, I've been to this time of year, you get a lot of calls for people who have uh, that. The other one is, is that it's, it's not even a chimney fire scenario, but you, let's say something's blocking your chimney. Let's say a bird made a nest up there or bees made a nest up there Mm -hmm. and you start your first fire. That smoke is supposed to draft upward. And instead it starts backing up into people's houses and, and, and kind of filling the house with smoke. And not only chimney fires are dangerous, but Fireplaces that don't draft properly yeah. are dangerous because of carbon monoxide poisoning. So you you want to get it checked either way. It's something simple you can do if you feel comfortable getting on a ladder and and doing it. Otherwise, to have a company come out, it's it's not that expensive to have them you know sweep it and uh, and make sure it works well. Do it every year. You know, some people depending on what you're burning, you can do it every other year. But you definitely want to get it checked out regularly.
0: Okay, neat. Now, uh, for regular furnaces like a propane or or gas-fired furnaces uh, and hot air furnaces, you need to change furnace uh, your filters often. Make sure your filter's clean. Well, and even further
2: than that, it's not really that cold around the United States yet. It's starting to get cold, but turn it on and let it run for 15 minutes. You'd rather find out now today when it's 40 or 50 degrees outside that there's something wrong with your furnace and it's not firing up because it's, it, it sat for six months without being used. And all of a sudden on the cold day, you fire it up because you want heat out of it. Actually, what I recommend is, you know, firing it up on a nice sunny day when the windows are open and you can kind of get that smell of the first burn out of your house and everything right. like that and make sure that it works because when you want to make sure it's working before you get to the time of need, like when it's, you know 30 degrees or 20 degrees outside i almost can guarantee every furnace technician for all the people who waited to check their stuff is going to call and say hey i need you to come out to my house Well, what do you mean you're backed up three weeks well uh, everybody waited till the last exactly. minute so yeah. if you get a chance fire it up and just even today if you're listening to this walk over your thermostat just turn it up a little bit mm-hmm. and just make sure it kicks on and heats up a little bit it'll save you in the long run especially money and getting an emergency guy to come out at two in the morning on a saturday oh yeah
0: because they're going to charge you like double and, and exactly. Yeah. And you, like Will said, you really don't want to be turning that on when the temperature is down and you need it and there's nothing there. Not fun. And uh, brings up an issue of thermostats. I have we have here because we have weird work schedules. Uh, we don't have automatic thermostats, but automatic thermostats are a good idea. Like uh, not necessarily nest, but it's just something that's programmable so that you can program it to come on at a certain time and go off at a certain time. And I imagine, Will, you probably have something like that, right? I've actually gone one step further. I got the internet
2: uh, programmable one. So when we leave the city and we're heading up to the cabin... I'll send a signal up on my phone to turn up the temperature. So, you know, normally leave the temperature at like 40 or 50 degrees in the house. By the time we get there, the furnace had been running. So we're not heating the house during the week when we're not there. And then on the weekends when we're heading up, I'll open up my app on my phone, press a couple buttons and the house starts heating up. You could do the same thing when you're leaving for work or you're coming home from work. Keep your house at a lower temperature, press the button and you can check what's going on at your house via your phone. Now, is that like a Nest thermostat? No, actually, I went went the cheap route, and I just bought, you know, the $79 one at the home improvement store. And, you know, don't get me wrong, Nests and all those guys have, you know, the Internet-connected home technologies and things like that. And that's all cool and great, but in all reality, I just want to be able to turn up and down the temperature and see what's going on at the house. Like, it'll tell me the outside temperature and the inside temperature, and then how often the furnace ran. It'll show me on a little chart so I can see, oh, I'm using a lot of energy or, you know, I'm not using a lot of energy and stuff. So it's kind of a... Kind of a cool thing, $79.99. Yeah. I think, like, it's, Honeywell and those guys are the guys who okay. came out and with
0: that's, those. That's the big box stores, Red Store, Blue Store, or whatever it is? Yep, yep, yep. exactly. Oh, yep. cool. I wanted to talk also, Will, about plumbing, because you did an extensive plumbing job up there on some of the house, and uh, I, you want to make sure you have, don't have exposed plumbing, like in an unfinished basement or or outside wall. I'll tell you a funny story. It's not a funny story. It's actually it's kind of sad. There was a restaurant up here uh, in central New York that was renovated it's like a 110 year old uh, it's been in the family for like 110 years old they renovated the restaurant and they did new plumbing they tore everything out and they did new plumbing and the first winter in the middle of dinner service this is a very high-end four-star restaurant all of a sudden the, the wall or the ceiling just started dripping water and what had happened was the contractor ran Uh, plumbing up on top but it was not insulated properly up there and it froze and the pipes broke overnight and then during dinner service at this restaurant where you're paying like $250 for dinner the ceiling just kind of broke loose on everybody it was very sad so check exposed plumbing make sure it's it's uh covered up and put insulation wraps on it Uh, we put you put insulation wraps on yours right well
2: Uh, actually we, we did on the, all the outside walls, but Mm -hmm. because we put PEX in PEX actually has the ability to flex more than the standard copper pipe. Mm -hmm. So that, that saved everything. The other thing is when we reran the piping in the house, I brought everything from the outside walls basically to the core of the house Mm -hmm. so that there's nothing towards the outside exposed walls. It's everything if possible was an interior wall until the last moment when it either went to a faucet or went to, you know, a drain or something like that. Um, yeah. Have a quick story for you on a uh, scary pipe situation. So I had some friends uh, about a year ago that uh, left to go on vacation. Um, it was the middle of winter here in Minnesota. It was cold, and uh, their furnace had quit shortly after they left, and the pipe burst in their basement. Oh! And they had a they had a, a, a solid basement that wasn't a walkout, and then they had you know just a regular double o. So what happened was they were gone for 10 days. Well, the pipe must have broke probably on day one. The entire basement filled all the way to the top. And the way they figured out what was going on was water was running out of the underneath the garage door and out through the sliding glass door of the house. And that's when the neighbors finally noticed that their entire house was filled with water.
0: God, that's like an Olympic pool.
2: Yeah, they were uh, they were out of their house for probably. At least six months, I think. While they got everything taken care of and got everything back in order and stuff, but they had to go live in a hotel while they, you know, got the whole house all fixed up and and uh, back in shape. But imagine a uh, in ground, you know, basement block basement completely filling with water to the point where it's pouring out the the first floor sliding glass door.
0: Right, that is. Oh, that's that's sad. Yeah. So there's a good example for you. That was going to cause a lot of insurance problems for someone if that happens. So make sure you're plumbing and, oh. <laughs> well,
2: lucky for them, they had flood insurance, but yeah. a lot
0: of people don't carry flood insurance on their house because
2: they don't live in a floodplain. Well, exactly. most insurance companies wouldn't cover that.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh, that would be like, oh, that's an act of God. Sorry. Boy. Now, uh, we have a ceiling fan here. Also, I'm going to switch gears again. We have a ceiling fan here and uh, at our house. And I don't know, Will, if you have one. You've got a couple, right? Or is that well the else? ceiling
2: <laughs> no no we have a uh, we have that well because if you have wood heat all the wood heat sits at the top of your ceiling and basically you have to kind of cook the house basically to get the right. to heat evenly unless you have a fan of some kind to circulate it mm-hmm. but uh, you have ceiling fans in your house do you switch the direction of your fans or do you leave them going the same direction
0: We leave them same the same direction and but we don't we don't use the fan that often so Oh. So that's a heated debate in
2: our household because like the the, the the pros say that you should change the direction of your ceiling fan so that it blows the air from up top down and in the other ones it circulates there up and so on. But in the wintertime, you're supposed to turn it so it, it pulls the air off the ceiling and pushes it down to the floor. Well, my wife complains that when the, the fan is on, it's blowing cold air down. So it's actually making the house colder, not warmer. So there's this huge debate on do we have the ceiling fans on or not or whatever. I'm just – I'm always curious to hear if people even mess with their fans or they just set it and forget it.
0: Yeah, we, we never mess with our fan. We, we leave it alone. And I work on a theory that it's kind of – if the air is pushing down, it's going to hit the floor and circulate back up beside the walls and then back up toward the ceiling. So it's going to circulate anyway.
2: Right. Yeah, I – we, it helps us a little bit because we have the vault that we put in that yeah. in the when you have the fireplace going, it all the heat builds up at the top and then eventually it works its way down. And I know for a lot of people who have big entryways in their houses, I don't know, in, in, in suburbia, you see a lot of houses with big entryways that those are notorious for getting a lot of good sunlight in them to heat it up. But it's all up at the top. So they put a ceiling fan in to kind of push that down and it helps heat the house a little bit better.
0: Yeah. And wood heat, if, if anybody has never heated with wood heat, wood heat is like the heat that heats twice. Because if you're chopping wood, you get you warm yourself up that way. But wood heat is a very thorough heat. It's a nice heat. It's just like it's penetrating, not just like- well. The
2: and it's relaxing a little bit. Yeah. I mean, looking at the fire and hearing it and everything like that. I mean, nothing better on a fall day than you know a hot cup of coffee and uh, listening to the fire crackle while you're listening to the Clean Slate podcast.
0: Yeah, or a gin and tonic while you're listening to the Garden Fork podcast. Oh, even better. Yeah. yeah. The, the podcast, not the gin and tonic. <laughs> 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 uh, Eric's going to kill us. Uh, let's switch a little bit to, we were talking about pipes and and, and uh, freezing pipes. But if you have hoses outside, I know we have, and I made this mistake last year, uh, two years ago. Uh, if you have a garden hose that's connected, we have a big, it's on a big wheel. And I, I disconnected it and left it outside. Never thought to not to blow the the water out of the hose and the water froze in the hose and, and ruined a hundred foot hose on me. So make sure you have hoses, turn off valves on your faucets uh, outside to kill the water flow to the outside. If you have a hose outside, drain it. Otherwise you're going to uh, have a big broken hose. Uh, well, a lot of people, if you have
2: access to the backside of where your outside water spigots are, mm-hmm. a lot of people put a shutoff actually inside the house so what we do is we'll open up the valve on the outside of the house so the water's running. Right. Then I'll go inside the house and turn off the valve on the inside, and basically the water all drains out of the pipe. And if they were installed properly, they should be slightly pitched outward, which would basically allow all that water, water to, drain to drain out. out
0: right. Yep. Yeah. And be- older homes may not have that. So the the valve to shut that off may be farther away from the exit from the house. So.
2: Correct. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Good. Now you uh, uh, have a hose problem up in well. You don't have hoses up north, do you? Sure, we do. You do, and uh, we.
2: I actually do the same thing we do on the fire department with them. So, um, I, didn't once you're done...
0: you, I didn't mean to you I didn't say you don't have hoses up. I'm sure you have hoses, but you don't like water a garden up there because your garden's quite a way away from the house, right?
2: Well, I, I still have. A, uh, I have two spigots on the house, just uh, one on the front and one on the back, because mm-hmm. I like to run. Uh, I'll tell you, in the summer, nothing's better than running the pressure washer and cleaning stuff up. You know, you come back with the four wheelers or the ATVs or whatever and mm-hmm. hook hook up the pressure washer and wash everything off. So we have the, the spigots on the outside. Okay. And that's that's actually where I learned about the downward slope, because uh, when we had somebody come out to help do some of the exterior work that we had to for code, um, they had told me, yeah, by the way, when we install these here, we're going to pitch them this way because. Then when you shut off the water, you open the spigot on the outside and it all drains out and that causes the pipe not to freeze. Because what will happen is water will freeze on that spigot and then it will work its way back into the pipe into your house. And then at some point in time, if it gets to a joint, it could break that joint and then it will
0: start leaking. Yeah. Yep. You don't want that happening. That's bad news. Anyway. Yep. Well, Will, this has been an interesting show. We, I think we brought some tips. Do you have any other ideas on getting ready for winter? I say just, you know,
2: what a lot of people do is just get go online and if you look for like a punch list or a list of things to do, there's a lot of great resources online. I know Eric at Garden Fork has a lot of stuff um, on his website. I know that there's a bunch of stuff on YouTube, like on your channel and Eric's channel. But if you go online, if you're a first time homeowner, it's not that challenging of a thing to do. It's actually really simple. Anybody can do it. Just get a little list, put together of the things you do and and. When it gets to the time where fall's coming around, dig that list out and, and just go through it. We have a punch list for winter and we have a punch list for spring, you know, how to turn everything off and then how to turn everything back on. And it catches 90% of the stuff and you'll be ready to go. But if you don't do anything, that's when you're going to run into problems.
0: Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. And I would say out of everything we've talked about today, the one, the two items you want to talk about or we want to think about very, very carefully is, is your smoke detectors. Make sure your smoke detector because you're using your heating system and if you have wood heat, you're using that. Make sure your smoke detectors are working. And certainly, very very big on my list is chimney fires. I'm definitely afraid of fire. Uh, and and, and well, as a former fireman, you, you're probably going to agree with this, I'm sure. Get the chimney clean. Don't mess with it. It's like a hundred bucks, hundred and twenty five bucks. Get it clean because the last thing you want is your house to burn down. And uh, then nothing else we talked about makes any sense because it's all burned up. So, and yeah. also if you uh, support your local fire departments. We live in a very rural area here, uh, uh, and we, although I'm not a fireman, well, but we support our fire department, our local uh, volunteer de- fire department, by working some of the events that they have. So if you live in an area like we do, it you know call up the fire department, and say hey, what can we do to help you out? And like we have pancake breakfast. You know I flip pancakes and serve a hash for pancake breakfast, and Joanne does the same thing, and it just supports. supports supports your neighbors which is a good thing to do and supports the fire department which is a good thing to do
2: well the events are fun and easy too i mean like
0: you know the kids like to go climb
2: on the fire trucks and and check out the stuff and Mm -hmm. you know when they have a pancake breakfast or something like that yeah you know you you spend five dollars and you get an all-you-can-eat breakfast you know you you can't go out to a regular restaurant and do that and at the same time you're supporting the community at the same time so it's like a win-win-win everybody wins in that situation
0: exactly yeah and you make some good friends we've met some very nice people in some good friends and it helps you get involved with the community community a little bit. So, well, Will, thanks for joining us on the show today and thanks for bringing Eric along. That was a, that was quite the surprise. Um, no, thank you for having me. It's always, it's been fun. Well, you're a fun guy to talk to and uh, we should get together and talk a little bit more because there's a lot of things that you've done up at the house recently. Uh, your, what are you calling it? The tower? Uh, the skybox the skybox. The, uh... Wow, I'm
2: getting will t- I say this and <laughs> it sounds like
1: uh, the
0: stadium NFL is going to be playing in your
2: yard. <laughs> it, it's a it's a, a 36 square foot cabin that we put up on a 12 foot platform. It's got a, a two foot deck on the front of it and it's out in the middle of the forest. So it's kind of like one of those. It looks almost like a, a fire lookout tower. Yep. But we, we were up there the other day and looking out the windows and like watching because when you get up that high and you're enclosed, nature comes right back to where it is and we're watching you know the turkeys out in the field and the kids are having a blast we yep. got a little heater in there and stuff like that so yeah
0: nature doesn't look up all the time right exactly so if you're above so. it you can look down on them it's yeah, interesting perspectives cool well will thanks again it's been a pleasure having you and uh we'll catch up perfect thank you dave great thanks well This podcast has been a production of Clean Slate Farm, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. Hey, you can visit us at our YouTube channel where we do gardening, cooking, beekeeping, DIY, and a bunch of other stuff. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The podcast can be found on iTunes
1: and Google Play Music.